there, and welcome to the Geek Easy. Pull up a drink, pull yourself a chair, and have a happy three Chinese Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa Saturnalistis. Boom. Try that one again. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it again. That was that was really impressive. Like I saw you gearing up for that. I didn't know what to expect there. Yeah, you know, people used to say happy Quan- happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Or, uh, or something like that. I was like, that's only three. Yeah. That's not enough. There's more in there. We can do better. Saturnalia was definitely the hardest work yeah. in there. Did you type that out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I wasn't going to, and then I was like, no, I can't say it if I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to our special holiday episode, because this is coming out um, in the wintertime, near the longest night of the year when all of these winter holidays happen. So, yay, holiday episode. Um, so, Tim, what are we drinking in honor of this beautiful winter season? Yep, so tonight we are drinking the Snow Queen. It is a drink I made actually years ago. I wrote the recipe years ago and uh, when the first Frozen came out, and I'm actually only making it for the first time with the debut of Frozen 2. It is Bailey's and creme de mint and vodka. Nice. This is my first uh, experience with the creme de mint, uh, and I love it. I Yeah, this is really good. It actually kind of tastes like an alcoholic peppermint patty or like a mint chocolate milk. It's really yummy. Um, or like, uh, ooh, ooh, what's the, uh, the ice cream? Like uh, mint, mint chocolate, chocolate chip. chip? Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> that one. <laughs> All the things that we said. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Mo- moving on. Anyway, our drink <laughs> is great. And as Tim kind of previewed, uh, we're going to talk about Frozen 2. Frozen 2 has been out for a little while. It came out um, right around Thanksgiving. So we figured it's a pretty good time to talk about it. We've given people about a month to see it. We're still going to probably try to avoid big spoilers and plot points. But I mean, we are going to be talking about Frozen 2. So if you haven't seen it yet and don't want it spoiled, then skip ahead. maybe skip ahead to halfway through this episode. <laughs> so that's called a uh, minor spoiler warning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, we've all seen Frozen 2 now. Um, and I don't think it's a big secret that I'm a big Disney fan. Um, I'm a big Disney princess fan and I'm a big musical theater fan. So (laughs) I love all the music in this. So this movie just like checks off all the boxes, right? It takes all the boxes for me. I really went into Frozen 2 expecting it to make me feel like the first Frozen did where I was like kind of blown away by it. Um, cause and the first Frozen was like, whoa, for pretty much everybody, um, or for a lot of people. Even dads in their 40s forced to take their little children to the movies. They still liked it. <laughs> but anyway. That's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> I have to admit, while I am not a Disney uh, a Disney buff, I like some of their stuff, but I'm never like just sold on the fact that it's Disney, nor am I a musical theater buff, nor a princess buff. I have to. I love Frozen. I love the first one, and and the second one didn't disappoint. I, yeah. Now I will say, uh, the summer after the first Frozen came out, when uh, we worked the Fun Fourth event in downtown Greensboro, yeah, I was right next to the karaoke stage. Oh my god! I was, I was the announcer at a stage next to the karaoke. I'm and, so sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> Do you know how many people sang "Let It Go" 
in the uh, middle of the summer? Everyone. That song played nonstop from every speaker, I think, for a solid year. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it was too much. And it's the thing is, it's a great song, and it's a great scene in that movie. The but first twenty I times, I feel right? yeah, I feel like it was played so much that it did kill it. I also, I, I still will special. say, I don't think it was the best song in that movie though. What was what was your favorite? So my favorite was actually the reprise of it, um, the reprise of oh, yeah. um, Forever, mm-hmm. when they're in Elsa's ice castle, yeah, and she strikes Anna with the yeah. ice. That is my favorite song. I like that one a lot. You frozen hipster. Anyway. I know, <laughs> but so, but Beth, what did you so like your reaction to the movie initially is not the same as Frozen One. It was not, um, but I think that's my own fault to be completely honest because I hyped it up so much for myself that I was like, I'm gonna go into this movie and I'm gonna be sobbing because it's gonna be beautiful. I'm gonna be so happy, and the movie was fantastic, and I think they did a great job. But I did not have the emotional reaction that I was expecting to. And I think we're going to hit on a little bit of, of maybe why that was um, as we talk about this. Uh, so, yeah, we can kind of jump right into Frozen 2. Ralph, what did you think about Frozen 2? Yeah, um, so I th- I'm kind of right there with you. I think I probably hyped it up a little bit too much in my head, but also at the same time, it's not like Disney's had a like really great track record. With, with sequels, with sequels? Mm. no, they have in general. So okay, except for Toy Story two, y'all. Except for the Toy Story series, I um, still say they never topped two, though. I don't. I think Toy Story oh, two is the best. Yeah, in this I series. I also think Toy Story two is the best in the series. Um, but you're right; that is an exception to the that is an exception the to the rule. Yeah. But yeah, normally. So I I did have a hesitation going in. I personally felt like my expectations were met and went above. Same. Somewhat. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a, there was one point at the beginning of the film um, because I you know I do music I'm a musician I, I focus on music um, the first like main song um, it feels very very similar to the f- one of the first songs in Frozen One and like the whole melody the structure the people singing obviously because they're the same people but right. um, it was just so reminiscent of it and I was like at first I was like oh gosh is this just lazy writing. Like, is there, or is there a point to this? And I think, Beth, we've talked about this uh, afterwards. Um, I think there's a reason behind it because literally the song is about nothing will ever change. Yes. It's it's about (laughs) being able to count on certain things never changing. Um, Right before everything changes. Right before everything changes. So I think that it's just reminiscent of like, they, you know. A, a happy time you know this is a happy time we're all like things are going great in our lives um and nothing's ever going to change that and of course life comes in and definitely does change it but i think that's why it was so reminiscent because interestingly enough i feel like a lot of the music after that is not terribly reminiscent it's not i mean one. and we'll get into this a little bit more later but like obviously elsa has her her let it go moment mm-hmm. again Kinda, she does kinda definitely. Twice. She kind of has two. She let has it go two moments. let it go moments. Um, just with different songs, but I mean, those are really good. Um, the animation's freaking beautiful. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, overall, I enjoyed it, and I thought for a Disney sequel, they pretty much hit it on the mark. Yeah. So good job to them. Yeah, I definitely went in with low expectations uh, as well. I think it, 
I actually think I liked it better than I liked the first one. Yeah. Um, now that may just be because I identify with it better, mm-hmm. or you know, it could be that the animation is is better. I you know I don't yeah. know, but but I did like it better than I liked the first one. So let's go ahead and talk about um, what it's about. What what are we doing? Where are we set? So this is um, six years into the future, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the exact same amount of time when the last movie debuted was six years ago i think that might have been intentional (laughs) yeah so uh obviously this movie has aged with everyone who loved the original so if you think about it that means a six-year-old that saw frozen one is now 12 so um (laughs) put that in perspective yeah i know it sounds weird when you put it like that where were you when frozen one came out we actually saw it with a bunch of like there were there was a small group of teenagers in our showing and they were like really, really excited for it. And I was like, right, because they were like actual children when the first one came out. It's their Star Wars. Yeah, like, or or it was their Toy Story, if we really think about it. They were so young that Olaf was funny. (laughs) Yeah, like they thought Olaf was funny in the first and second movie. Um, Well, I thought Olaf was hilarious in the second movie. Yeah. So it takes place six years after everybody's kind of settled into a new way of doing things. Elsa is queen and she is slaying everything, um, but still feels like she could be doing something more. Maybe it's because they don't actually seem to be doing anything differently. You notice how nobody really, there's no change that seems to have happened between the first and second movie. Like, uh, Even though six years have passed, right? Like yeah. she is queen, yes, but the town doesn't seem to look any different. Uh, Anna's just kind of in town; she doesn't seem to be doing anything. You know, Kristoff's getting ready to propose, but you don't see. Yeah, but Anna's not really, and I feel like even Elsa, like she's at some sort of function or some meeting, but she's not really like into it right it's kind of weird yeah uh and also now that i'm thinking about it if they've been dating for six years (laughs) anna probably just thinks they're never getting married i think yeah so she's just like nothing's ever gonna change like (laughs) we're here we are this is better or worse yeah the only um, one that's had any sort of development seems to be Olaf at this point. Yeah. Just because well, he learned how to read. And he got you know permafrost. <laughs> he did get permafrost, and now he won't melt. Um, and I would actually make a little argument okay. that Anna has had some growth if they've been dating for six years and she didn't expect them to get married because she was all well, about some true. marriage in the first one. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, we see them in the town. Um, nothing crazy has happened that's rocked their world or put the town in danger. Uh, but that is getting ready to change. Elsa hears these voices and she goes to find them and all of a sudden the town is kind of in danger and they have to figure out why which leads them to a new location this enchanted forest which Um, is kind of a crazy place because in comparison to the frozen wasteland that is the first frozen mm -hmm. uh, this is a very idyllic sort of setting with you know uh trees and flowers and you know uh, this whole new i mean there's there's yeah. rivers it's <laughs> there is, yeah there you know. are rivers it's it's 
fall. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely fall. Yes, it, um, is, it seems to be an, almost an eternal autumn. Yeah, this this animation is just gorgeous in this part of the movie. The way that they did the forest is, is beautiful. And mm-hmm. it's an enchanted forest where it seems that the elements are at play. So, And it's been cut off from the rest of the world, right? Yes. Um, the spirits were angry and locked themselves away. And so in this forest, uh, Elsa and Anna and Kristoff and Sven and Olaf, the whole gang, stumbles upon the North Thunder people and some of their own Arendellian soldiers. Um, and so, yeah, then they go on this journey to find out why everyone is locked in this enchanted forest and how they can fix it. So one thing that I, I thought about as the movie was ending, mm-hmm. right? We've watched them go on this whole adventure. I started thinking back about it, back upon it, and it bothered me at, at first thought. And then after discussion, I changed my mind um, because you know we're so used to seeing kind of world-ending consequences for failure. Yeah. Um, like in the Marvel films, you know, you have uh, people whole worlds dying. Um, the first Frozen Arendelle is frozen over in this one there isn't really any such consequences for failure um which and there are minor ones right such as um being stuck in the forest or having to build a new town um potentially but there's not the same sort of ground shaking um thing that drives them on which um is kind of odd because, uh, you know, I'm so used to seeing that. But what you do have is these characters pursuing what is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. There's this motif, this line that they keep repeating of just do the next right thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, after thinking more upon it and having it that point brought up to me, it, it, I kind of got into my head that it's like, well, you know, maybe that is the something that's important is that you know they keep doing the right thing even though it's hard even though it'd be easier to quit when there's not right. that big of a consequence for them quitting right but they keep putting themselves in mortal danger because yeah because i guess they could just live in the enchanted forest right like, people have been doing it they were welcomed yeah. Uh, yeah. by the north Andra. so you know it's kind of like oh well you know at some point you could just say especially anna Anna has a, a moment where she could very easily have said, I can't do this. Right. Like, I'm I know what I need to do, but I can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead puts herself in incredible danger. Yeah. Um, so that was something that, that I definitely my mind changed about. Um, but, you know, in a way that I interpreted the movie. Because we're just so used to having a Thanos. Yes. Where, where's the Thanos in this movie? Right. There's there's definitely not a Thanos. There's definitely not a, a Thanos you know or a scar or... There's no villain. Someone I mean, in re- yeah. in reality, yeah. there's yes. no villain in the exactly. film. Exactly. I I think that's one of the things that I loved about this film mm-hmm. is that uh, there is no villain. There is no bad guy. There is stuff that happened in the past that was bad, and now you have to decide: Are you going to make it right? Right. There's um, not even a Hans. No, there's no Hans. There's not. There's not a character that's kind of sort of bad. Like there's, there is literally no bad character. Yeah, which was a really interesting um, decision that I think worked way better than I would have given it credit to credit for yeah, it in planning. Yeah, for sure. A, it's a very adventure film. Like if you really think about mm-hmm. it, like just it's it's all about going on an adventure and and finding things that were previously undiscovered or forgotten about. And uh, yeah, it's just and different. uncovering the truth. Yeah, yeah. That's another big point is that 
finding out the actual truth, even if the truth is inconvenient or contradictory to what you had been told previously Mm -hmm. and how you correct that past. Um, Yeah. What do you do about the past when when things have been wronged? I think that is an incredibly timely message and an incredibly important message. Um, And like, yeah, I could, I can see where it's like, there, there aren't world-ending consequences, mm-hmm. but that's what makes the movie that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, you know, I, I definitely got behind that once I, once I thought more into it and realized about that separate drive. And it's funny that it took me so long to catch because you know I've had that drive myself out on an adventure. You know, you just keep doing the next thing because, you know, what else are you gonna do? Right. right. And, you know, uh, my situations are a little less uh, fantastic, but, you know, it's still the same. Drive. A little less fa- fantastic and, and maybe not quite as morally conflicting. Yes. <laughs> equally as dangerous, less morally conflicting. You mean just make a fire? Do the next right thing. You mean just like eat? Do the next right thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's, it's whatever the next right thing is for you in that moment, even if you mm-hmm. are... Um, and I guess we'll just go ahead and get into it uh, about like some of the growth that we see from these characters. Um, we yeah. keep saying do the next right thing. Anna has this whole song where she's uh, devastated and grief stricken. Um, and that song really got me as somebody who has suffered from depression um, as like sometimes like grief makes you feel so weighted down like you just want to succumb to darkness and you have to get back up and just do the next right thing and sometimes the next right thing is eating Mm -hmm. and sometimes the next right thing is getting up and taking a shower or sometimes the next right thing is saving the world you know like you know taking it one step at a time time. and i think that this um that frozen two hits so many big big messages for especially for children these days about it hits things about grief and respect and what to do about our past and doing the right thing to do the right thing um and it's it's really funny i liked you know, this movie yeah yeah <laughs> uh one thing that i think is funny you know we just i, I commented a little while ago that nobody really seems to have changed much except for <laughs> Olaf between the yeah. films but then as soon as the film starts, everyone goes through very rapid change. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, let's talk about how Olaf changed, though. Uh, he is He's so weird. Uh, he reminded me a lot of myself as a teenager, <laughs> which is just not not good. <laughs> <laughs> how so, Tim? Oh, man. The, like... Just that he's so angsty. He's like, he how do you deal with the crippling, uh, the knowledge that everything is inevitably going to end? And it's just like, I hear, I hear my twelve-year-old <laughs> self saying that, and I hate it. <laughs> my, I think my favorite scene, and this is not a spoiler, is literally where Olaf is playing with some kids, and he does. He sits there, and they're playing, and they're laughing, and they're like poking him or something, and. And he's like, how do you deal with the idea that we're constantly moving towards our doom? And the kids are like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and I'm like, like poke him with a stick. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's that's correct. How do you feel about Olaf calling everybody out for being older? <laughs> yeah. He like breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> he really does. 
He's like, we're all getting older, looks at camera, and we're like, okay, Olaf, we get it. We old. Yeah, that one that one hit a little close to home. <laughs> Went to see it, you know, the, the day after my birthday, and I was like, well, Oh, fine. dang, that's right. You it got was called the day out after by a birthday. snowman. Called out by a freaking snowman. <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was very well written for this one, because um, he he needed to change. I think if he was the exact same as in the first film, I don't think that the audience would have resonated with him as much. No, mm-hmm. he would have been annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another thing I love about Frozen Two Olaf is he's not only calling you out for being older, he's also like, but. When you're older, you have all the answers. He keeps saying this like multiple times. Like he goes up to Anna and he's he's like, since you know everything in your wisdom, since you're ancient and asks her a question. Um, and he has a whole song about how everything will make sense when he's older. And I just thought that that idea is so funny because I remember being a kid and thinking that adults around me had all the answers like my parents definitely had all the answers um and now every 30 year old is sitting in that theater like oh god God. this was just a this was such a big like nudge nudge wink wink to the millennial generation I feel like yeah it really was like to any millennial parent that was sitting there because their kids like yeah you do have all the answers and they're like oh dang it like who am I I don't have any answers (laughs) who are you you're not my child (laughs) what am i doing what am i doing here um but i i really thought that was that was so funny that he's like yep i answers are what you get when you're a grown-up and every grown-up is in the theater like no that's so funny because we don't have the answers and all the kids are like that is totally true we will definitely have the answers when we're older on the topic of character growth, um, you know, in reference to Olaf's maturity or lack thereof, uh, one character that I loved in the first movie and identified with very well uh, that has shown a lot of growth here was Kristoff. Yes. And I loved him even more in this one. Yeah, um, same. One, because he has a very uh, Tim rant <laughs> at one point where he, Anna is misunderstanding everything he's saying and he's, she is like, oh, you think we're going to die? And he's like, well, I mean, yes, eventually. eventually. <laughs> and I mean, the odds are kind of complicated, but like, and he, and he just like can't, cause he wants, he doesn't want to lie to her. He's like just yeah. trying to tell the truth, but also like is not doing what he's he, saying, what he thinks he is. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh my God, it's me. Um, but it felt very familiar, huh? Yes. Um, but while he doesn't really show necessary, he shows growth in a different way from the other characters because yeah. he doesn't really change all that much over the course of it. He just is very different from what we're used to seeing, especially yeah. from men in Disney, right? We're used to seeing the princes of being, I mean, kind of dumb, but, you know, very like gung ho and. They're uh, very macho. Yes. They're very, all the time. they're very much, I saved the day. Yes. And that's an important fact for everyone to know. Yes. Uh, and Kristoff just isn't. He shows yeah. a lot of weakness. Um, like, in, in especially in their relationship, he yeah. shows, he's uncertain. Um, and yeah. he's, and so is she, but, but, you know, they, they show it often through Kristoff because Anna is focused elsewhere. Um, but, you know, he, he doesn't, like, he feels like he's stumbling. And that's not mm-hmm. something you ever see in a Disney relationship until now. Oh, yeah. They're always picture perfect. And I think that's a very important thing. One of my favorite songs yes. is 
Kristoff's song, and I won't tell you how it's done, but if you listen to the soundtrack, you get a good idea. Let's just say um, Weezer did a cover of it. Yeah. It's called Lost in the Woods, and the first time I cried in this movie was when um, Kristoff says a line in Lost in the Woods where he's singing about Anna and he says, and I'll wait for a sign that I'm your path because you are mine. And that just really got me as like what a good depiction of like real love is because love is patient and love Mm -hmm. is love will will wait. If you need to figure something out, then love We'll wait. But that doesn't um, mean wait on anyone, kids. Don't yeah, don't don't do don't wait on anybody. Uh, <laughs> That's not what that means. No, no, no. But he's he just he like he like understands he's like, this is the choice that I have made. Like I I know my feelings about her, but yeah. if if she needs to figure out something else, that's that's fine. She can figure out something else. Um and that realization and that admittance is really definitely something we've never seen in a Disney movie. Um in Lost in the Woods, he also says something about is this what it's like to be growing apart, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um which is which is interesting because like <laughs> they've been dating for six years, but it seems like this is where they're really kind of hitting a rough patch. Um, and it is because Kristoff's nervous and his lack of communication. And mm-hmm. may I say that's uh, a hell of a long streak for a honeymoon. I yeah, know. <laughs> I know. Well, that's they impressive. Got, they got comfortable. Everything just kind of yeah. kept going the way it was. I mean, and it's also easy when you're top dogs in town, right? True. Like they had a they had a pretty good life, so. And then even beyond that song, even when he regains his confidence um, in in their relationship and who he needs to be for it, um, you get it in a very different way than we're used to seeing. Yeah. So, you know, you have a sort of rescue moment, not as drastic as in the first movie, but uh, in a similar method. It is it is pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna's in real danger, and, and he really swoops in there and grabs pulls her. Pulls her up onto the reindeer. Yeah. I almost said moose. And they keep running. And instead of saying, you know, just uh, just doing his thing, he says, I'm here. How can I help? Yeah. And that's a very big thing, too, for a Disney uh, male. Oh, it's huge. He doesn't he's not like, I told you you couldn't do this on your own right. or that's, like. That's a big thing for a male. True. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, that's not questioning, stuff. not questioning why she's like, just, it, you got to see the film, but just under, understand that he comes in in the middle of like a big climactic thing. Oh, and, yeah. First words out of my mouth would have been, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And the first words out of this man's mouth are, how can I help? Because obviously something's like, wrong. So yeah. what can you do to help? See, that's a, I don't know. A guy, a man or woman, if I pick somebody up in that situation, I'm like, what the hell were you thinking? Let's fix it. But oh, my God. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, that is, you're right, Ralph. That is like a big <laughs> and anybody thing it, to to be selfless and be like, what can I do to help? Not like, I just rescued you. What are you doing? We're getting out of here. Right. It's what What can I do to help? Which is actually a big uh, big plot point in a lot of stories. Is I, I just thought of this. Um, it happens in Uncharted 4. Um, <laughs> where Because it, it's not always a man and a woman, right? It's not an yeah. entirely sexist thing. It's a big plot point to have. So in that, Nate saves his brother. Mm-hmm. And his brother wants to keep going. And, he said, and he's like, no, we have to get out of here. Like, yeah. You... you 
you really screwed this up. Yeah. Um, and his brother says, no, I have to do this. Yeah. And so they keep going. Um, and so like, you know, that, that's a big thing to do is have somebody try to get them to pull back and they deny it. Right. Um, and the fact that it's just supportive in this is, is very different. It's incredible. And I think I, I, that's a good image of how you should be in a relationship. Like not be so quick to be like, no, I'm right. It's a more like, what, how can I support you? Obviously this is important to the person that's important to me. So, you know, I need to help. Yeah, and not exactly. just in a romantic way either. Like any relationship, yeah. that's important. Um, and then his at the very end of the movie, Anna apologizes for kind of like ditching, and he tells her that's okay. My love is not that fragile, and that that Boom. line that, drop. that line really got me because. Uh, this, this idea of that, like, it's okay that you're human. I will still love you. Um, you don't need to be afraid to mess up or to take some space. Uh, you know, love is, love is stronger than that. And I think that is such a beautiful depiction of, again, a relationship of any kind that, um, it's an important message. After Kristoff, of course, there's the two characters that you think of when you say Frozen Mm -hmm. in in being Anna and Elsa. Yes. And, you know, we're used to in the first movie, you have them as this sort of uh, domineering pair of Elsa being the the B.A., right? The the one who's all powerful and has this this gift. And Anna is just kind of there. And she goes after her sister, but she doesn't have any power. She's having to struggle with that. Yeah. And so... In this one. And she's kind of like a young, nonchalant ingenue who really like has to. Right. And then in this one, Elsa, you know, they've both kind of come into who they think they are. Right. And Elsa is very powerful and very driven and very headstrong. And Anna is also headstrong. But Anna has this sort of way of kind of lingering behind Elsa yeah. and looking to her for guidance and let, you know, she doesn't let Elsa run off on her own, but Elsa's always the one making the calls. Right. And Anna goes after her and, you know, you get to see the two of them both become who they need to be. Yes. And Elsa going after this call for the unknown and Anna not always having Elsa nearby. Yeah. Not always having her shadow to hide in when she needs yeah. when somebody she, more powerful. When she needs to, uh, Anna really has to start trusting herself at, to do the next right thing yeah. without someone telling her what the next right thing is. Um, and Elsa really unlocks her confidence as who she is supposed to be and not who she was just told to be. Right. Um. Again, another telling message for millennials there. Yes. <laughs> like finding out who you are as the person, not just who you were expected to be. Um, and both of those, both of these sisters uh, really come into who they're really meant to be, which is beautiful. And it's done in a way that you don't expect. And I really wish that I could divulge everything about it. Um, but I think that's more important more important to actually see in the movie yeah there is one one thing we i can say is upon reflection there's almost a a not quite cheeky but a a tucked in line that shows that that dichotomy too when elsa is going to 
do one thing. She says, oh, but I could do this. And Anna redirects her, right, um, in reference to the giants. Uh, Elsa thinks that she can handle the giants in one yes. way. And then Anna reminds her of that. their major goal. Mm-hmm. And Elsa uh, goes off on her own. Well, then later, Anna has to do the same thing that Elsa said she could do earlier. Yeah. And, you know, even though she doesn't have the same power level, doesn't have the same abilities at her disposal. She figures out a way to do it. Right. And that that's a very prominent thing that they draw attention to with that one line. That's the thing I didn't even think about. I didn't until literally five seconds ago. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So definitely go see Frozen 2. It's a great movie and it definitely holds up. You won't be disappointed. All right, we're going to move on to a a new special little tradition that I'm getting ready to establish for the Geek Easy. Uh, this one is going to be a holiday trivia. Do, do, uh, do, do, do. Yeah, geek easy style. So uh, I'm going to make a friendly little competition out of this. So it's going to be Tim and Beth, and they're going to have to uh, compete and answer some questions about different uh, holiday traditions that are that are going on this month. Uh, and I decided I wanted to make sure that it was mostly inclusive as best as I could with the time allotted. So I've uh, got a Christmas holiday section of questions, Hanukkah section, and a winter solstice section. So uh, are you guys are you guys prepared for this? No. I, <laughs> as ready as we'll ever be, yep. I guess. Um, right. Here's here's the thing. I just want full disclosure. Tim and I literally have no idea what the questions are. We didn't even uh, know there were going to be questions yeah, until so, right before this. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you both have phones and computers, but you're not allowed to use them. Well, let's play. It. Let's play fair. We're and, about to look real dumb on our own podcast. <laughs> I, I think I think you'll be all right. It's basically just going to be a multiple choice. Um, it's either going to be A or B, so you just have two choices. Oh. Um, I didn't go super crazy or super hard with Do it. Do we get bonus points if we answer before you give us the an- options? Uh, yes. Yeah, let's make that interesting. Yes. Don't give us the choices automatically. So there are eight questions in total, and then there's one tiebreaker just in case. So, all right. Uh, the first question is going to be for Beth. What ancient Roman festival has been linked to the beginning of the Christmas tradition? Is it A, Saturnalia, or B, the festival of the Sol and Luna? Saturnalia. That is correct. And I, I, I did know that one without the I know. Answers. I'm just like, I was like, man, I need some questions about Saturnalia, and I guarantee that's the only one in there. I know. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, it was celebrated every December during the winter solstice. It's actually paying homage to Saturn, which is the god of time and uh, agriculture. Mm-hmm. And the Romans would actually take a week off of work. Even oh. the slaves would take a week off of work to decorate their homes and stuff. Um, and so obviously when the Roman Empire mostly embraced Christianity, a lot of these traditions were carried over to celebrate Christmas. Um, from Saturnalia. I was Constantine, wasn't it? That was Constantine. Hey. Good job. All right. Question number two. This one is for Tim. What country was the original St. Nicholas, a Turkish monk, 
from the 3rd century and the origin of Santa Claus. Germany. Popularized him. Uh, these people brought the tales over to America. Was it A, Germany, or B, Holland? It's Germany. He already answered it. That is incorrect. What? Oh. It no is way. B, Holland. The Dutch immigrants actually brought... Um, since Center uh, Claus is how they pronounced it to, Am- oh, <laughs> to America. Sinterklaas, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I always learned about the German Niklaus that would leave gold inside of shoes if you left them by the window. Yeah. So this is actually is a third century monk that would go um, from town to town and help like the sick and the homeless. Oh, um, and gosh. so their 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 tales were brought over, and it was popularized in America by the 1822 poem an account of a visit from St. Nicholas with its uh, immortal first line, "'Twas the night before Christmas." Oh, okay. I was lied to by the Germans. Go figure. <laughs> Who knew? Uh. All right. So Beth has one. Tim has zero. <laughs> Beth, question number three. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had, a, had his origin from a Finnish children's story. Is that true or false? Um... I really thought you were just going to say Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. <laughs> uh, let's say that's false. It is false. You oh, are correct. Oh, that was 100% a guess. <laughs> uh, actually, his origin is from a 1939 retail marketing campaign. That sounds right. Uh, created by Robert May, who worked for a retail company called Montgomery Ward. They just wanted to write a kid's Christmas book that would sell. Thank and God, capitalism. I guess it did. <laughs> it worked. It worked. All right. Question number four. What does the French word Noel mean in, in its original Latin meaning, Tim? Is it A, birth, or B, king? King. That is incorrect. Uh, it is birth. Huh. I would have also guessed uh, king because right? noble. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Wait, did you say French? Uh, so it's a the French word Noel, but its original Latin meaning is so Noel means Christmas. I'm in still French. using <clears throat> I'm still using this as an excuse to hate the French more. <laughs> <laughs> so damn the Germans and damn the French. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the Germans I'm still cool with. Now we just have a little bit of a distrust. <laughs> so that was the Christmas section. So currently. Beth has two points. For, uh, Tim has zero. Um, next, yeah, we're moving yeah. on to Hanukkah. All right. Question number five for Beth. Hanukkah celebrates A and A. I'm sorry. So A, I mean like A, like the article, and an as in the other article. As in it could be either or. Gotcha. A, military victories and miracle, or B, an escape from enslavement. So Hanukkah celebrates either a military victory and miracle or an escape from enslavement. It's a military victory and miracle. That is correct. Good job. It took me a minute to think about it, but yeah. Yeah, because escape from enslavement is actually the Passover. That's Passover. Yeah, so um, just a little background on that. Uh, The military victory was actually when the Jews would light a candle to pay tribute to a miracle that occurred back in 165 BCE. So it was an army of Jewish rebels that actually helped reconquer the temple in Jerusalem. Um, And so they only had enough oil supposedly to light a lamp for one day, but miraculously it lasted for eight days, which is why it actually, you know, you have eight candles to light. 
Okay, now, question number six is for Tim. And uh, I'm going to do something here, Tim, to, to give you a chance to, to get back, <laughs> to get back into this. This question, if you get it right, is going to be worth two points. Oh, no. So, I'm get it wrong. so if, if Beth misses the next one, then and you There's get the, the other one. Yeah, you could you could get a tiebreaker. All right. So question number six, Hanukkah always occurs on the same day each year. True or false? So how much do I have to pay you to just give me the answer? <laughs> uh, it's Another one of those stop, drinks. You totally know. It's false? That is correct. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I legitimately thought that was true, but yes. oh, I don't know So anymore. it's actually based on the Hebrew calendar. Uh, right. So there's no set Gregorian date range for Hanukkah. Um, it always starts uh, on the 25th day of the Hebrew month, which is uh, Kislev, if I'm mispronouncing that i apologize um so it can go anywhere from like late november to late december um there's even like occurrences where it's happened like right at thanksgiving or on thanksgiving huh do you know why that is uh besides the calendars being well, different that, that like the, the what's different about the calendar no what it's a solar can calendar the ancient world used solar ca calendars which actually makes a right. lot more sense for an agricultural civilization but for right. some reason the english were like no nah. <laughs> nah. Just nah. because they wanted to be different and colonize everyone. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> wanted to be bit different, but also everyone had to be like them. Exactly. <laughs> it's a complicated process. <laughs> kind of just like being a hipster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That puts Tim at two and Beth is at three. So, bum, bum, bum. question number seven for Beth. The word solstice comes from the Latin word, which is solstatit, which means... A, the sun stood still, or B, sun after night? Uh, the sun after night. That is incorrect. <sighs> oh. Well, I, yeah, I thought it would make sense because, like, it's the longest night. Right. Okay. It's a right. little, it'll, tell, like tell a little counterintuitive. Yeah. Tell us uh, about it, Ralph. For, for that one. Uh, there's not, I mean, it it just is it just the breakdown is of those yeah it is just i don't have much about that one it's just uh that's the breakdown like soul is sun uh statit is i guess stood still that's or just, like stationary i'm not sure exactly what that one means that's just what the romans were like yep this is what this is called that's it i mean stationary statit i'm gonna make it work i don't think that's you know entirely accurate but we're going to go with that. I can get behind it. It yeah. makes sense to me. Um, All right. So, Tim, question number eight. All right, let's do this. For uh, for a tie. During the winter solstice, the sun appears at its blank in the sky on December 21st. Is it A, the highest point, or B, the lowest point? It's the lowest. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, so the sun's <laughs> gradual decrease in the sky reverses upon the, the winter solstice. Um, but So it marks uh, what many cultures believe to be a rebirth of the sun as the hours of daylight become longer hmm. at that point. So we got a tie. Bum, bum, bum. We're going to do it Jeopardy style. Um, so we're going to do a tiebreaker here. Um, at, and so Beth is actually going to be able to answer first. Because she does, she did initially have the advantage, um, and then Tim will answer. I'm not going to give any choices. So, are you guys ready? Yes. Yep. All right. What century was the Turkish monk Saint Nicholas born in? Oh my God! You said it earlier. Yes, I did. 
Beth, your answer? I feel like if I say it, though, what if Tim just copies my answer? Well, I won't if you're wrong. But what if I'm right? Hmm. Then you both win? All right. You want to just say it at the same time? Sure. All right. One, two, three. Third Third. century. That is correct. Nice. You both win the holiday special. You get a prize at the end that I can't disclose in public. Uh, <laughs> what are you? What are you gonna no, wait, do Beth, to you us? Win. You win, Beth. <laughs> uh, so did you guys well, enjoy yeah. that? Did yes. You? Yeah, that was entertaining. That was a good time. Cool. Learned some things. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed it at home. Uh, listening, we appreciate you tuning in to the Geek Easy. Um, again, if you want to get in touch with us, we have all the social medias you can. Contact us on Facebook. We're the Geek Easy. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, we are the Geek Easy Cast. You can shoot us an email at thegeekeasycast at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, and if you guys enjoyed that trivia um, and you wanted it for your own, uh, it, just message me or message on the Facebook or anything, and I can put the questions and the answers and some of my sources as to where I got all that from. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a great holiday. So whatever you celebrate, if you celebrate, whether it be the role reversals of Saturnalia or the eight days of Hanukkah, have a great winter holiday. See you guys. Bye.